Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Biotin is not doing anything for you except what you just said. Creating an overabundance in the body is like, I got to expel this somehow. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Los Angeles. Every week, we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos! We hope you stay a while. (laughs) Cute. That's cute. All right, so this episode is very near and dear to my heart and my hair. Because, as you can see, Kirby, the scalp, it's emerging. What are you even talking? I mean, I don't want to minimize, I don't want to minimize the struggles <laughs> that you are going Thank through. You. So, yes, your your scalp is, it's definitely emerging. It's emerged. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> Anyways, Kirby and I have talked so much about scalp health on this podcast, but we have never had an actual expert. So we are super, super excited because today we have Bridget Hill on. Bridget is a distinguished trichologist, which I don't think I have ever met a trichologist before. And Bridget goes into maybe why that is. I think it's a very new um, you know, profession, if you will. Um, but she has been in the hair care industry for a long time, in the beauty industry for a long time. Um, she has over 20 years of hair care experience. She went from being a editorial stylist and colorist to now a trichologist and a thought leader in hair and scalp health. And I feel like we learned so much during our conversation with her, Kirby. Oh, we did. First of all, she is a wealth of information. And second of all, y'all's minds are going to be blown. Stop taking your biotin. You don't need it, fam. You don't. I mean, unless you're, what is it? Um, biotin deficient. Thank you. No. Thank you. Wow. Is that was that was that. What yes. It? Unless you're biotin deficient, which it is incredibly rare for Western countries like people that live in the United States to be biotin deficient because we get it naturally from just the foods we eat. So all of those gummies, all of those pills that they tell you that you need to take that have the biotin. Maybe there's something else in those. Uh, supplements that are that is helping but the biotin is not the reason why your hair is growing or not yeah and and Bridget will get into why that is and she also pulls back the curtain on on what it is that she does and also what it is that we actually need to be doing in the shower and and it pretty much just involves our fingers to our scalp and even getting a partner or someone to massage the scalp for us she talks a lot about the pre-treatment too that people aren't pre-treating their hair prior to getting into the shower so you know i did it last night i got in the bath and i put on a pre-scalp treatment um it was a mix of these oils from renee fruitier how do you say her last name sarah i can never say it 
I think it's Furter Furterer, but I'm not. Sh- I'm Furterer. Yeah, Renee Furterer, who has been established in the hair care industry for decades at this point, and Bridget is a huge fan of. But I put some of the scalp oil in my hair, let it sit for five to ten minutes while I was in the bath, and then I went through my shampoo and conditioning routine in the shower afterwards. And I'm excited to see how it changes my hair, if at all. Yeah, I feel like there are certain tips and tricks that she offers that are really going to change the way that we wash our hair for the better. So uh, without further ado, here is our episode with Bridget Hill. I feel like we've been talking about hair health and scalp health so much over the past couple of years. There definitely has been an influx in like a focus on scalp health in the beauty industry, even in just terms of products that have been coming out. All of a sudden we're like, oh, apple cider vinegar for our scalp, all of these different things, scalp brushes. And, you know, me, especially over the past month, as I am experiencing this postpartum hair loss, I have never, ever paid more attention to my scalp than now. And, you know, we've had hairstylists on the show and stuff before, but we have never had a true scalp expert on to talk about this topic. So we are so, so excited. And without further ado, welcome Bridget to Los Angeles. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for having me. You guys can't see Bridget, but drop the skincare routine, girl. We have a segment called What's What's on on Your face? Face? And this segment is all about you. What are you wearing? What's your favorite skincare? What's your favorite makeup? Okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. When I have a lot of Zooms, I had med meetings and desk sides, so I did get my face beat, but I don't do foundation. Ironically, I'm a beauty junkie. I used to be obsessed with like BR, P, you know, um, P50, and I got allergic reactions to every SkinCeuticals, you name it. Somehow I got these allergic reactions. And I now am a fan of Drunk Elephant. And then I also am just simplifying my routine beyond. So I'm using like toners and oils, just that reaction of me going through all of those allergic reactions to products that I've used forever have really forced me to simplify so much of my routine. So Drunk Elephant is my line right now and pretty much water and like oils and toners that are just oil-based. Oh my God, what a flex. I don't wear foundation. (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, y'all have to see. I'm going to take a screenshot of this so we can post it. Her skin is just chef's kiss. But that's genetics. I mean, look, I'm grateful that I come from my mama and my grandma and my family just is blessed with beautiful skin. So let's not make it all fancy. It is what it is. I come from a family that has been blessed with like impeccable skin. So But you're also wearing a beautiful, like, shimmery purple eye. Yeah, so thank you. I like just a splash of color. I'm an easy girl. I don't like to think about my makeup. I'm very natural. And then masks have changed everything, right? So I try to at least give a color, not just a mascara. My girl Mimi put some little lashes on the day because I was like, I'm not in a mask. So I did have fun because I do miss those opportunities of feeling like a girl. So those moments that I do get to put a little thing in, you know, I go for it. So that's what you're seeing today. Arch. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Okay, so Bridget, you are a beauty junkie, but aside from that, you are known because you are a trichologist. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly is a trichologist and what does your job entail? Absolutely. So trichology is the study just simply of scalp and hair abnormalities. It's derived from the Greek word trichos, which is hair. So that's the tri, the trichology. In this modern age, we can consider it like a merge between dermatology and hairstyling. It has been in Europe since the 19th century, but it has not been an active practice, I guess, in modern times, because who really thinks about their scalp, right? I mean, nobody has ever paid attention to it. When you're dealing with trichology, it is not just the scalp. It's our genetics, it's our hormones, it's our lifestyle, it's our diet, it's the medications we take. There's so many aspects to hair health that no one has taken the time to really explore and get a great foundation and understanding and explain it in layman's terms where people can understand that trichology is really the foundation of how our hair is produced. And so my practice is being able to understand a lot of the abnormal conditions that people may experience and be able to deepen to root causes of where those abnormalities may be triggered from. That's kind of a gist of what I do in terms of the analysis part. And once we have that understanding, it really is strengthening the relationship between your medical practitioner, your own spiritual, like that's a big deal for me, your mental and spiritual well-being, your dietitian, all of those aspects that are important to ensuring that we have the healthiest head of hair. I think it's so interesting because Sarah and I are both 34 and growing up, we were constantly served advertisements from hair companies talking about your split ends and your split ends being the reason why your hair wasn't growing. And it's truly remarkable that we were fed that for so long and believed it because hello, your hair grows from your scalp. So I mean, whoever came up with the reason why your hair isn't growing are your split ends. There is a little bit of truth to that, obviously. You know, if you have poor damaged hair, you know, it's not going to look as long because it's broken. But it's truly incredible marketing that that was perpetuated for so long. Given your vocation, how hard is it to convince people like, yo, use all of the oil on the ends of your hair that you can that's not the reason why your hair isn't growing. Well, I think the first thing, science is just that the first medical publication on scalp was in 2013. We have 100,000 hair follicles on our scalp. So it's a non, and hair is a non-essential tissue. So from a science community, I think we have to debunk a lot of these myths. The reality is so much is unknown. And people don't like to operate in a world of uncertainty. And the scalp and the science and understanding of how hair is made is just beginning to kind of make the precipice of where we are in beauty. Hair is a non-essential tissue, meaning that our bodies can survive. Our body is such magical machines, right? Every function, every system is always trying to fight and survive for the things that are required for us to exist. Hair is not one of those. So because hair is a non-essential tissue, Anytime our bodies are going through any adaptive mode of trying to heal because this magical machine is always going to make sure those vital organs are thriving, hair is going to be the first thing to go because your body does not need it. That's the brilliance of our bodies. And science never really paid attention to it because every single follicle could possibly have 
a different DNA or mRNA. So it's the reason of like, why do men ball in the center, but then have this big tough at the bottom? So science wasn't really caught up. They didn't care about that. It's just recently as we science has progressed, technology has progressed. We now are making deeper connections to health and hair. And that's not twisted. I love a beauty. I'm a beauty girl. But it is simply messaging. Put something on your ends. And I consider that hair fiber. Once the hair actually protrudes through the scalp, I no longer see that as a hair. I see that as a fabric. My job is to help with inside before it protrudes through that hair follicle. My job and my role is to make sure that that is what's healthy. Once it protrudes from the scalp, it should be handled like a silk or a fur, which is a whole nother conversation you have to have me on by because we are so brainwashed about how to handle hair fiber. So we've been having this two different communications and two different messagings. One about hair health, which has nothing to do with hair fiber. And so what we see in touch is what psychologically makes us feel great, which can have positive benefits to the underlying hair issue, but it really doesn't do much of anything. Got it. All right. So when would you tell somebody to come see you? For instance, I think a lot of people listening are thinking, oh, you know, my hair just doesn't grow, or I just lost a ton of hair because I just had a baby, or I deal with a lot of hormonal fluctuations just in general between my skin and my body, and I'm noticing it's affecting my hair. At what point are you like, okay, it's time to come see a trichologist? This is going to get a little controversial. Just remember that the study of hair is very new. There are some great dermatologists out there, but you want to go to a dermatologist that specifically deals with hair. Most dermatologists are going to put you on some type of steroid or corticosteroid that definitely impacts the symptoms, but does not get to the root cause. My practice as a trichologist goes to the deeper causal factors. So what happens in hair performance whether it's scalp abnormalities or the hair falling out or losing your hair, there's always like a causal factor, but then you have to, the body is always being triggered. Anytime the body is trying to heal from something, it's going to take from something and each system is going to kind of outplay the other part. So you may have had underlining issues, say if you suffer from gut issues, like if you're allergic to gluten, that's an underlying issue. But say you get pregnant or you have an antibiotic, so then you have that as a trigger, then your gut issue is a trigger. So a thorough trichologist is going to take you through all those causal factors because all of those things are having a polygenic effect on what's happening to your hair fiber. So you have to be first and foremost very clear that you're you're pursuing a dermatologist that specializes with scalp and hair. Me as a trichologist, I'm kind of that bridge. Not only do I understand what's happening to the body, I also am an expert on hair fiber. So a lot of times women start doing all these things topically or thinking it's about the ends or I need a mask and you're creating a necessary issue to prolong your hair getting better. If you haven't seen any results, for example, if you're having, you just had a baby, you know you had a baby, your body is gonna shift, you may experience hair loss, you may not. If by that third month and you're not breastfeeding, you're still seeing and uncomfortable with your hair shedding, I would check out a trichologist or check out a dermatologist that has that experience specifically related to hair loss and scalp issue. Okay, and then from there, we've decided it's time to see a trichologist. Can you walk us through what you do in an appointment? What are you asking? What are you looking for? Maybe even what are some things people should become readily armed with to tell you to make your job easier? 
Beautiful. I love that. You have to recognize that we're looking at a holistic approach. So it is a very, it's invasive. You know, you have to be comfortable to be able to disclose a lot of information. This is not a judgment, your diet, how much alcohol intake, your blood work. You've had miscarriages. Do you have polycystic ovaries? Very personal and intimate. And when people are coming with hair loss, it's a traumatic situation. This is not an easy conversation. So the more upfront you can be, a great trichologist is going to want all of that information. Because as I stated before, we see the cause. Oh, you had a baby. There you go. However, if we dig deeper, there are certain levels and hormonal shifts that truly impact and that we can shift with plant-based, holistic approach, non-evasive approaches to dealing with and healing it, but we need the factual information. So once I get that information, your age, were you more susceptible to miscarriages? Have you had any cancer treatments? What are your thyroid? Just everything that your body has gone through and that you feel comfortable sharing. I then take magnified images of the scalp. So I'm using a handheld microscope that magnifies the actual scalp surface. What I'm looking for is what I call miniaturization or any scalp abnormalities. So when we talk about miniaturization, most of us that have like a thick head of hair and each follicle, you can have anywhere from three to five hair fibers in one follicle. Miniaturization means that throughout the hair, some of those follicles might have five fibers, but some of those follicles might have one fiber. And you can distinctively differentiate between the healthy fibers that look healthy and thick and the ones that what we called miniaturized, which are thin and string-like. So those are just a, 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 quick, a quick example of what I'm looking for, be it male or female, miniaturization, any lesions, any abnormal scaliness on the scalp. A lot of time women have, especially women of color who go through braids and extensions, they may think their hair is falling out, but they're dealing with imbalances of the scalp microbiome. So their funguses or bacteria are not really obvious to us, but a dermatologist not specialized in hair and scalp will attribute it to a hairstyling method and inflammation when really it's a buildup of, of non-essential bacteria, non-unhealthy you know, fungus. So once we go through that, I then create a at-home regimen because at the end of the day, there's nothing that I physically can do in one session. It's a combination of really where, how you want to approach it. There are things in the market from laser to microneedling, um, red light therapy, steam. I have a plethora of things that I have in my arsenal. But the reality is that you have to meet people where they are and you have to address blood, cell, and tissue. And sometimes addressing that blood requires people to take an inner look on their diet, their supplements, what are they willing to give up, meeting you where you're at. And then that's how I normally pursue with the practice of treating my clients from there. Sarah, I love that she touched on potentially like having a fungus, the microbiome. That was the hot word in 2019 and then 2020 happened. So it kind of just went away. And then now microbiome is back with a vengeance. Um, sorry, I wanted to give a little story time. I was watching a video on YouTube the other day. It was served to me. I can't even remember what I was watching originally, but a girl was cutting her locks off. She had had locks for years and this was so much hair. I think at the end of it, she had 10 pounds of hair that she ended up cutting off. She had help. And part of it was brushing through the hair, which I was like, oh my God, how does she have the patience to do this? I would just want to chop it all off, right? But some of it, she brushed it through. And the people that were helping her were like, just FYI, mold was growing in some of these locks. She was horrified. And they were like, well, 
I mean, honestly, what did you expect? Because that hair has been trapped and, you know, water can build up. It was essentially, I think, mildew. But that was really eye-opening to me because I just never even, I know that sounds really, really naive of me, but I just never even thought that was possible. I'm really glad that you touched on that because I think the microbiome and how the good and bad bacteria work together is really important, especially for your scalp. Yeah. In scalp, it's a natural layer of what we call malassezia. There's a healthy bacteria that exists all over our bodies. We know that, right? When that becomes imbalanced, it's unbelievable what people think are like psoriasis or dandruff. It's like, no, boo, it's a fungus. <laughs> it's a fungus. And the good part about it is it can be addressed, right? It's not even that deep. I have to share one story that was so touching to me because this woman came to me from Washington, D.C., had you know, financially had expended herself with all of these issues dealing with what she was told was some form of dermatitis. She had a bacterial staph infection and it was in her bloodstream. So I was like, this is a bacterial infection. I don't know about it. I don't know enough about it, but you need to go to the doctor to find this out. And she emailed me. She was like, you saved my health. Screw her hair. She had been walking around with a staph infection. And it's not even that deep all the time. It's just being able to be assessed properly. That's what's missing in our marketplace is the proper assessment. I think one of the most frequently asked questions that we get about our hair health and scalp health, aside from, you know, the occasional flaky scalp dandruff, is hair loss. To your point, you know, hair is very personal um, and it can be very traumatic when you start to you know see your hair is thinning or you for me you start to see more of your scalp and like what is going on my hair is like my security blanket so I would love to know what exactly causes and triggers hair loss in women so that's a loaded question because as I said you know we want to simplify right it is so individual it could be you lost 10 pounds drastically. It could be that your hormones are off. It could be that you stopped eating meat and now you're eating you know, plant-based. And our bodies are such individual machines that I try to stay away from generalizations, but I know in the beauty world, we try to make things simplistic. We can't make scalp simplistic. I don't care how hard we want to make sound bites. What I'm not comfortable with and what I refuse to do in the industry is to simplify it it is so individual. But what I can say is that you're gonna be triggered by genetics, hormones, illnesses. You have a fever, you have, you have a cold. It could be something so simplistic. It could be the medications that you're taking. All of a sudden your body builds up almost like it can't process if you're on you know, mood altering drugs or antidepressants or these things you've done for your life normally, the body is going to build a resistance. So it could be styling habits. It's just so varied. It could be genetics. It could be like, you know what? Your mama lost her hair. Your daddy lost her hair. You're in line to lose your hair, but we can't stop it. It doesn't have to be your story. So there are a cause, a, a range of factors that contribute to that. I think I need you to take me a little bit deeper in like a specific scenario so I can help. Well, then I'm going to go and make it personal and about me, but also because I did not know how many people were also experiencing the same thing. Uh, when I posted about my postpartum hair loss on my Instagram, I received so many messages from so many different women, women who, you know, are still experiencing hair loss like two or three years later after their child, which to me, I was like, oh my God, we're gonna have to talk offline and make sure that we can nip this in the bud because mama needs her hair back like ASAP. 
some women didn't experience any at all. And, you know, they were breastfeeding and doing the whole thing. And some people were like, you know, it happened for a few months and then it came back. And so it's definitely very personal, like you said, and individualistic. But can you speak maybe generally what exactly is happening with postpartum hair loss? Like why, why? Absolutely. So, and just to let you know, science still doesn't know for sure, but they've narrowed it down. There's a belief that it's either the iron. So, and women, our ferritin stores are so essential to our hair production. People don't even know about ferritin. This is just put this out there for you all. Anytime you're doing your blood results, make sure you get not only your hemoglobin, but get your ferritin store counts when you're doing your annuals, because that helps a trichologist to see what's happening. The ferritin is essential for women. The other thing is there's a belief that the progesterone after the baby is born, so it's either the levels of the progesterone are decreasing, the iron levels are decreasing, and the body is balancing. That's what we believe. Science has not proven that. But what we do know is that when you approach it from a holistic approach, which can entail something supplemental if you are still breastfeeding. You know, of course, I always suggest first and foremost, you must consult your medical practitioner or your doctor. But we can, there's enough plant-based aspects, marine ingredients and minerals that we know have this amazing effect. Why? We cannot answer that. So that's the other thing with scalp is a lot of stuff is like, we just know it works. There's some that is more anecdotal. And remember, these studies are only really beginning in a very aggressive way from the medical community in 2013. So we're very young in this category. We do know that we can trick the body. So remember when I was saying hair is that non-essential tissue? There's ways that certain plant-based, marine-based ingredients kind of create a stop gate and it makes the body, tricks the body to think that you cannot take from these hair stores. The body has enough and it allows the hair cycle and the growth cycle to continue at a normal level. Topically, we trick the body to make the follicle thinks that you got to keep growing. You can't go into a resting phase. So your hair never grows into a resting phase. It's always in a growing phase. And what that does is it forces those follicles to be inundated with nutrients because it's thinking we're not going to go through a normal cycle. So it's all these like tricks that we kind of just rewire things for a while until the body gets its own rhythm back. But for hair loss for postpartum, there's a shift in either the iron or the progesterone. We don't know for sure, but we do believe that that is what causes that instant, like just what we call telogen effluvium, just that rapid hair loss that's happening and you experience after the birth of those beauties. I want to believe that everybody makes products hoping that they're going to help women and ultimately have the bigger goal of being you know, supportive to your hair health and, and finding that secret sauce. But I do find it to be a little, a little bit like preying on women who are desperate for an answer. We recently were named as the beauty podcast that rakes through the BS. It's like, if you want a beauty podcast, it's just like no bullshit. So I just want to sift through the bullshit. What claims are being made that you're like, "Uh uh-uh, there is no proof to this. Is there any product that people, if they see it online, it's served in a Facebook ad, it's served in an Instagram ad. It has a hundred thousand reviews on Amazon that you're like, this is a red flag. Or something that people on TikTok are putting on their scalp. That's not going to work. So I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the topicals that I see, there's some real honest ingredients that do work. But what I have to tell you is 
It's cell, blood, and tissue. You could be that person that it could be just that one topical thing and great for you. But for a person that's anywhere over 20 plus, if you're not dealing with what's going on inside your body, you're not going to get a result. You may get a fraction of a result, but the result of the topical is only going to be really seeing the benefit if you're dealing with the internal first. Nine times out of 10, it's always something happening internally. And that's not sexy. Who wants to talk about going to the doctor and figuring out what's going on? What are your vitamin D levels? That's the real conversation is it's really about what's going on in your body, what's going on with your thoughts, how stressed are you really? And it is uncomfortable because I've had women come in for treatment and they're like, my hair is shedding and shedding and they're going through treatments, but their mental is like, okay, you're not going to be a good candidate because I can't even get you to accept just what are you doing to breathe? How are you making yourself peaceful? Like, and I might sound, sound hokey, but it really is those stressor factors that people don't recognize. And then losing the hair makes them hyped up. So their cortisol levels are all over the place. So it becomes this vicious cycle. If there's one thing I'm gonna say about hair loss and really getting to the issue of it, how are you living? How are you breathing? And what's going on inside your body? Uh, the topical stuff, there's, there are great things out there that have effects. I'm not going to debunk them. I mean, if you give me something, I'm like, all right, that's a hoax. But the majority of them out there have are based in some real, you know, anecdotal but provable herbs and approaches. The science is there that can tell us what to do topically, but you've got to do the work internally to ensure that you're really combating this issue. I know biotin is obviously one of those ingredients that is touted as a hair growth supplement, right? And I worked on a story. It has yet to come out. It's hilarious. Every story I wrote last year, they're like, it's coming out this year. Like, okay, great. But I wrote this story about biotin and how a lot of people don't realize this, like biotin can actually, if you have too much of it, can cause breakouts. So a lot of women specifically are taking biotin because they want their nails stronger, they want their hair stronger, and then they're noticing that they're getting these breakouts along their jawline. And it's because A, normally we aren't biotin deficient. We get biotin just from like living every day. Like even if you have like the poorest diet, you're still getting enough biotin. So then when you increase that and you get too much of it, your skin just is like, I don't know what to do with this. And to your point of anecdotal evidence, like some people claim these gummies make my hair grow long and strong, but there's literally no scientific research or evidence-based research that proves that biotin literally does anything for your hair. It's mostly just for your nails. And even then it's not even that. You guys can't see Bridget, but she was clapping her hands and giving Kirby the thumbs up. Because Kirby, oh my gosh, all civilized industries or worlds, we are not biotin deficient. Biotin is a necessary compound to building the hair. Biotin is not doing anything for you except what you just said, creating an overabundance in the body is like, I got to expel this somehow. So I'm so glad you touched in on that. Now, biotin is essential, but most of us in any Western industrialized country, none of us are walking around biotin deficient. Very few of us are walking around biotin deficient. Is that the same for people who take fish oil and expect hair growth? That is a tricky one because depending on different levels of your selenium, again, all the necessary minerals in your particular body, we do know that you, if someone ups up omegas, 
because maybe their diet, maybe they're deficient in a selenium or a zinc or a potassium. Somehow the body regulates and that those omegas do help kind of perpetuate. So it's so individual based on where you are in your particular levels of how your minerals and vitamins are stored in your body, how your body processes them, and also what your diet or just your overall activity level, all those the way that you normally how do you get your blood rate up? How is blood circulating through your body? What are your O2 levels? All those things really do impact the cycle of the growth fiber. So all that being said, and by the way, we appreciate that you're like, you, you can't just narrow it down to one commonality. Is there anything that you sh- think should be avoided when you're experiencing thinning? of your hair. When your clients come to you, do you say, all right, first things first, silk pillowcase? Like, what are you telling them to either get or avoid? So I think it's important just, I go into an investigation, understanding what their hair care regimen is. Remember when I was saying when that hair comes out of the follicle, it was considered a fabric A lot of times we do treat our fabric like our towels and our dishes versus like silk. So the over-frequency of shampooing and cleansing, disrupting that microbiome, that's a big deal for me. Women that try to then use those fibers to fill in the holes or, you know, all of those, I don't want to name any names, but those products that just build up shadow so that the space doesn't look as sparse as it does in the scalp. You want to keep the microbiome as healthy and simple as possible. It's not about doing anything sometimes. It's like, let's just see what happens if you give the body a month of like not over shampooing. I do believe in what I call a proper shampoo, meaning that a cleansing agent is applied directly to the scalp with some type of applicator. I always suggest clients getting condiment bottles or like color applicator bottles to literally apply the shampoo to the scalp. Most people don't shampoo their hair properly. Just a proper shampoo can totally change your life and help deal with some of those ills. So a lot of times there are some habits because we're so misinformed and there's so much misinformation about hair loss and scalp. So I take the approach of doing less, doing more, or doing nothing at all. And that's kind of how I get my clients in a rhythm. At times through your services, we are going to be aggressive, right? We are going to be doing things at turning cell and we want more activation. And there are times we want the scalp just to kind of chill out. We want to pull back. And there's something we just want the body to take over. So I apply those three concepts throughout of everything that I do in, in my practice. Obvious statement of the century, it's just like skincare. We just don't think of the scalp as skin because it's on our head and it's hidden under hair most of the time. But so many of our skincare issues could be, you know, I'll go hard with skincare with my retinol for a couple of weeks and then I'll chill out and just let my body do its thing. And then I'll return and, and, you know, add in a few things here and there. I love that you touched on properly shampooing your hair. I mean, can I tell you how many years I was just like taking a ponytail in my hand and kind of just rubbing together and then doing a little zhuzh at the top and calling it a day. And I mean, once I learned how to properly massage and wash my scalp and get in there, especially because I have hair extensions, Bridget, I have tape in hair extensions. So it's really important to wash my scalp properly. Which is why I miss going to a hair salon and getting a scalp scrub so badly. Give yourself some self-love. Get your man involved. I'm a big friend of like pre-shampoo scalp treatments. Just getting circulation. It doesn't have to be anything magical. 
getting an oil, just getting that circulation. We don't touch our scalps. People don't even really know their head shapes. We are so disconnected. Like touch it, feel it, understand it. You see, you feel, you have a nodule, you might have a mole, you might touch. Touch is so essential to the scalp, to, to really overall hair health. So it's making that connection that there is a living organ on top of what we spend billions of dollars on trying to be like sexy and pretty and lovely. And look, I don't have long fibers, but my vanity still kicks in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Noting to self, Kirby, we got to ask Matt and Patrick to massage our scalps tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I already told Patrick that I want him to learn how to do a full body massage so that he can just add, add that service onto his list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so I think you would be hard pressed to find a hair care line that exists today on the market that does not currently carry a scalp scrub or rinse, apple cider vinegar rinse I mentioned earlier for your scalp. But I feel like we didn't see those products pop up until the last maybe two years. Why do you think that is? Why is there all of a sudden this focus on our scalp? One, I think because science is leading. You know, you can't, you can't debunk that we know that there's an impact on what hair growth and our scalp conditions are completely going to be dictated by what's going on at the scalp. So there's no way to deny that now. I mean, this is across every age, demographic, and we're all experiencing it to some degree. So also science is catching up to be like, okay, you can do something about it. That's the other thing, right? Nobody really thought, except you think about the male pattern baldness, right? We heard about DHT. It was all about androgenic male hair loss. Nobody was even, women were also embarrassed, weren't really sharing honestly that they were experiencing thinning hair. So now that I think there's an authenticity I think also that there are solutions. Everyone is coming in on the market. And that is why the conversation, we are more honest, we're more authentic. And it's just the time. I mean, it was bound to happen because we know better. We know more now. Does it have anything to do with the fact that we over inundated our hair with dry shampoo? Is dry shampoo bad for our scalp or no? I disagree with that. The right dry shampoo, and there are a few of them on the market, make a big difference. First of all, let's talk about cleansing. Shampoo literally in definition means cleansing with a detergent. You can cleanse your hair and your scalp and it doesn't have to be a detergent. Kirby, you already established this connection. Like skincare, when you rinse your face or you tone your face, you're cleansing. You may not be stripping in the, in the same way. So it's changing that psychology that we overuse detergents to cleanse our scalp supposedly hair, and we don't even do a great job at cleansing the scalp, we're really disturbing the microbiome in certain areas. So the marketing of shampoos is all about selling a shampoo and a conditioner. When really shampoo should be the last thing you really are thinking about. What are you treating that hair fiber with and how are you cleansing your scalp? And your scalp can be cleansed. You know, Sarah, you were mentioning the apple cider vinegar, these rinses. I'm not a fan of scrubs. I'm not going to go there, but I do not believe in anything that has any type of particle. Um, unless I've analyzed the scalp, I think we have to be very careful because you can exacerbate people's conditions. If they're thinking, oh, I have dandruff and I'm going to use a scrub that has all of those granules, that's a no-no. And you're going to be feeding that microbiome versus the opposite. But in terms of like, Scalp rinses, those are great. Think about toners you use on your skin. Same concept for hair. So the detergents, I think, are the killer. 
I know this, oh my gosh, this so, feels so controversial, <laughs> but the shampoos are the killer because that's what is promoted for us in the marketplace. I don't disagree. And I don't think that's controversial at all. And I'm glad you brought it up. So would you say then that, you know, sulfate free is a big buzzword right now. Is sulfate free something we should be looking for to make sure that our shampoos aren't like detergent based? Because when you were talking about this, one of my favorite face washes is fresh soy face cleanser because it's not sudsy. It doesn't strip my skin. It leaves my skin feeling just as good as you know, I, I want it to essentially. And so I was thinking in my head, find a shampoo that will clean my scalp, but won't destroy my scalp like this face wash. So I think when people listen to you, they're thinking, okay, so then should I be going sulfate free? What should I be trying to look for? Absolutely. I love this. So it's not about a shampoo. It's like your shampoo serves a purpose. You do need that deep cleanse occasionally. It's about understanding that sometime when you feel like, oh my gosh, my hair is greasy or I need to cleanse just because it's uh, habitual, look for rinses, look for things that are water-based. You can rinse your scalp and that's still a cleanse. You can use a diluted version of those apple cider vinegars that Sarah was talking about, but there are great ones on the market, witch hazels. Think about nurturing tone, think about natural astringent. So as you use that dreadlock client that you were watching or that example when you were watching YouTube, this sounds crazy, but sea breeze. Sea breeze is one of the best astringents for women who have dreadlocks and natural hair without using a detergent to keep that microbiome balanced. So I like to think water-based, even oil-based for certain hair types, not you all, but there are oils that can also be for people that have ethnic African you know, descent in their genealogy. There are so many ways to cleanse the scalp in a healthy way that do not require a detergent. Detergents are necessary in our regimens, but they should not be the leading factor of how we're cleansing and taking care of our scalps. Yo, I feel really, really good about that, Sarah, because I, this past year, have not been washing my hair. I was washing my hair every single day because we all do it. We all get in this mindset, like we're not clean, quote unquote, unless we are sudsing up every single day. And now I think I wash twice a week, once with a detergent, like a very you know deep cleansing shampoo, and then a rinse the second time that I, I wash my hair. And I feel like my hair is better for it. I feel like it's actually growing. It's longer. I obviously haven't been bleaching it for a year as well. So that definitely contributes. I'm not going to lie. So many factors play into that, but it makes me happy. I agree with you, Kirby. Bridget, I have a question about all of the shampoos and hair care products that are available now that are quote unquote custom for your hair type. You know, there are all those similar to like, you know, all of the skincare brands that exist now where you can take a quiz about your hair type, you know, your lifestyle. It offers you a selection of products that they think that you should be using for your specific hair. Do you believe in that? The shampoo is not the thing for me. It's about what is your moisturizer? How are you taking care of the fiber? Like, we have to separate it for me into like two different parts. The hair fiber care of the performance. So of course, you know, when you want to go out, you want voluptuous, bouncy, moving hair, you're going to have a different regimen. You're going to be like, keep my hair the volume. I want no weight. That's like a performance-based like mindset. From a health-based mindset, it's about how are you pre-treating that scalp? How are you cleansing the scalp? How you're retaining the balance of moisture and proteins in your hair fiber. 
A shampoo is the, who cares? I mean, that's just how I feel about it. I don't care what you're using as your detergent. I care about what you're using in between as your cleanser. I care about if you're doing pre-scalp treatments. I care about, are you protecting the fibers of your hair? Like that's my conversation because the shampoo is a lot. You can use baby shampoo for all I care. And I say that all the time. Personally, if you have a great hair care regimen, your detergent-based shampoo is the last thing that's gonna create damage. If you're not shampooing so frequently, that's where your money does not need to be focused in on. Love that. This has been eye-opening and so much fun. But before we say goodbye, let's talk about some product recommendations, girl. Like, give us the tea. What are your favorite hair products? You know, what, what do you use personally? What do you recommend the most? Okay, so I am a fan and have always been a fan of Renee Fritterer. Their science is just, I know it's not like the sexy box, but their science and their botanical approach. They also, um, PFOB also deals with like cancer research. So they have the science, they get it. Their topicals are the bomb. Their topicals are water-based. They're not greasy. They work for every hair type and texture and they deliver. So that to me has always been like my go-to, you know, in, in my arsenal. I am a huge, huge, huge believer of doing any type of pre-scalp treatment before at least one of your detergent-based shampoos. So I'm a fan of pre-treating the hair dirty, meaning using a heavy mask on your hair while it's dirty and dry. I'm a big fan of then doing a massage with any type of oil unless you have a scalp condition. Just even if it's stimulating for you, it does not matter. If you're like the normal person, like that's experiencing normal shedding, get in the habit of pre-treating your scalp. Touch that knocker, you know, feel those lumps, feel that head shape, massage it in, protect your fibers from the detergent. That's the other thing is you want to protect these fibers. These fibers don't need to get a cleansing agent going through them. So it is that approach of pre-scalp treatment, pre-treatment, and then using a cleansing, a detergent-based cleanser for that one shampoo to make sure you're removing everything. For dry shampoos, the Chlorine with oat milk, the best. I don't think you get a better one in the marketplace. And they did a great job by also using like darker pigments for darker skin so it doesn't look so white. But I love the Chlorine dry shampoo. I'm a big Renee Fritterer topical. And then it kind of varies. I have to see like your hair independently to kind of give you my like individual little, you know, nuggets. What about scalp brushes? Do you like to use those in the shower? I do. So I love the Iku brush. It's amazing. Just been playing around with some of the tangle teasers, but I do like scalp brushes. I do don't like them on wet hair. I like them on greasy pre-treat scalp. So I like the oil. I like for scalp brushes to be used when they are used with pre-treatments with oils. I'm not a proponent for dealing with fibers when they're wet and fragile. I like them when they're dry and coated. So even if you have your cream mask on with oil, get that brush in and kind of, you know, go through. Sharper Image has a great brush that's actually has red light and has massage so it vibrates. I love that. So I love those scalp brushes as those pre-treatments before you're adding water. Again, having the scalp properly saturated with the oil of your choice, your fibers nicely protected so they're getting that mask and that treatment. And then just really feeling your brush, working your way upwards towards the scalp, towards the heart. It's so relaxing, like get in connection and build a relationship with your scalp. 
And then I have one more question. You mentioned earlier maybe putting your shampoo in like a condiment bottle so that you can really make sure that it is getting to your scalp. So you could just buy it off of like Amazon or like the dollar store. Oh yeah, like container store. Yeah, just get a bottle. As long as there's an, a tip that you can literally part your hair and apply that shampoo to the scalp, dry, dirty, massage it in before you even get into the water and let it sit. Like if you're spending money on a great shampoo for those of us that do, cause I have those moments, let it do its job. If you're just going in and putting it in your scalp and then getting in the shower, it's you're not even getting the benefit you're paying that money for. So let the product do its job, put it on dry, dirty hair, let it sit, hop in the shower, emulsify, and then great. You see the difference. You feel the difference when you start approaching it that way. Ooh, I am doing this. Kirby, I feel like she just changed our lives. Oh, I have a condiment bottle. I got them from Ralph's. They were like 99 cents, yes. y'all. So I'm going to fill up my condiment bottle and go to town. And Patrick's going to wonder what the hell is going on. And our dry, dirty hair. And then we're going to be like, hey, Matt, Patrick, can you now massage our hairs? Hey, listen, I think Patrick actually might do it because he applies self-tanner to my back. So all he's got to do is bring it up to my scalp and do a little fingertip action. Love it. Um, Bridget, you're incredible. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Where can everybody find you, follow you and support you? Yes. So visit BridgetHill.com for all interesting new things. I have some exciting things in the mix that I'm excited to be launching later this year. You can follow me at The Scout Therapist on Instagram and Bridget Hill, The Scout Therapist on Facebook. Incredible. Y'all, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Bridget. Of course, follow her and support her. You know where to find us. We're at Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Facebook and join the Los Angeles Glam Jolino's Facebook group to talk all things scalp and hair health. And you can find us on our website, losangelespod.com. We have all of our episodes live there. We will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.